This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. The Ferris State Bulldogs have upset the nation's number two ranked team. Wide open! Taylor is going to take this one to the house! Touchdown Bulldogs! What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the most valuable sports podcast. Brandon Warren, Joe Nagy, with hey, everybody. you this fine afternoon here on WBRN or our lovely podcast platform, Spotify, Apple, and so forth. We welcome you in to this episode, I believe number 52 in the installment yes, sir. Five, two. of this season. Can't be enough grateful for the support that we've had on this show. And we have a good one for you today. Fair State Rundown, of course. A lot mm-hmm. of big games coming up this weekend as well as big contests. We'll cover all of those as well as we have an exclusive interview with Fair State track athlete, one of my teammates, Claudia Wilkinson. She stops by to talk everything high jump, and she's pretty good at it too also. And we'll finish out the show with some NBA as well as a Major League Baseball season is about to get underway. A yep. new season with some yes, new sir. changes and me and Joe will break down all of that, including opening day for the Detroit Tigers starting today. And it certainly looked like we might go 0-6-162, but, you know, it's not the case anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's not the case anymore, but we'll see how it goes. Half right in the FSU rundown. We got a lot of stuff going on so far. Men's golf is starting the Bill Blazer Memorial on Friday, April 7th, as well as softball and all that stuff. Men's golf is going to be bringing that all throughout the weekend, Friday, Saturday, and I believe Sunday, if I'm not mistaken, or if it's just women's golf, uh, going to the UMSL Spring Invite. That one's going to be a really solid one. They're going to be a little bit down south, so hopefully the weather won't be as uh, affecting as it has been these past couple of days but if you want to get the results from that go on over to ferrisstatebulldogs.com and hopefully the bulldogs get the stuff done and get, they get it going absolutely i mean huge contest this weekend i mean softball obviously uh have been a little bit on the skid as of recently and these are two very gettable games for this team parkside and purdue are teams that they definitely can do some damage against especially at home uh saturday a very important game pink out for breast cancer awareness so make mm-hmm. sure you stop by uh the fair state soccer or softball complex almost said soccer soccer's also in action, by the way, really? found out some spring games over the last couple of weeks. So we'll have to get in touch with that and make sure <laughs> we cover that here on the upcoming shows as well as volleyball. And then spring football, of course, will be coming up here uh, at the end of April. But Real soon. big time games coming up for softball, especially this weekend at home. So make sure that you're there to support the dogs. Hopefully we can get four wins. I mean, that'd be huge going into the momentum that'd swing and the road tests that we have coming up here later in the month. I mean, men's and women's tennis. The big one going Keep it rolling, down, baby. Going down to Allendale to face the Lakers. So that's gonna be really no other need to we don't even need to do we even need to break down that game? I mean it's G V. It's 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 the biggest one, is really what it is. Men's are gonna be going against Grand Valley. Grand Valley is kind of near the middle of the table in the Gleak so far, but for the women's, the Lakers are at the top. So it's gonna be a really solid test for our women's tennis team, especially uh being able to knock out Davenport to get out of that skid and be in the win column once again. So hopefully we'll see two W's across the board and it's gonna be real solid. Uh, especially for uh, you Bulldog tennis fans. Yeah, men's and women's golf as well, traveling uh, all over the place, it seems like. It's been hard to get uh, Coach Stark in here. He's actually been on our schedule, so if you want to hear from Coach Stark, you might want to tune in He's been on the docket. He's been on the docket. Make sure that you subscribe now so you don't miss out on that. That's all I'll tell you. We'll leave it a surprise when the date and the time will be, so you're going to have to subscribe to hear from him here soon. Can't wait to have him on the show. As well as track and field down at Oakland, Oakland U, Golden Grizzly, going to be a fun meet. Uh, certainly a lot of big competition we've seen uh, from the performance list. It's going to be a big one. It's going to be a really good test to where we're at early on in the season. I am stoked for this. It's going to be a loaded steeple heat. Uh, It's a loaded all these heats. I mean, there's multiple loaded competitive teams that are going to be taking part in this meet distance-wise, sprints-wise, throws-wise, jumps-wise, the whole nine yards. All I'm hearing is when Brandon wins the whole thing, it's going to be that much better. Sure. Okay. I have that confidence, Brandon. Come on, man. I'm confident. Yeah. I feel like I'm more confident in you than you are in yourself. That could be true. No, I'm just kidding. I'm confident. I'm ready to go. Uh, The first one's always the scariest, but we're going to make it work. We're going to make it happen. It's going to be a good time, man. It's going to be fun for sure, especially uh, just not having hopefully 30 mile per hour winds. I knock on wood now. I'll take the 40. I'll take the 40 degrees over the 70 and wind that we had last weekend. I would say that. Tough. Well, also, that was what was going on in Big Rapids uh, yesterday for us on on Wednesday. Yeah. Tornado uh, watch. Tornado watch. I woke up, saw that on my phone. I was getting a little nervy because my house, I feel like, was built in like the the 1700s. So that thing's going to be struggling if a tornado comes through. 
I walked out my door and my spring or my screen door almost just flew off its hinges. So almost lost security deposit on that one. Yeah, I'll tell you what, if I would have woke up to a tornado siren, my I landlord been pretty my, upsetty spaghetti. If my uh, landlord's that. listening, our screen door is intact and fine. That is good to hear. But without further ado, we have an interview to go to with Claudia Wilkinson from Track and Field. Now joining us in studio, Fair State Track and Field athlete, high jumper Claudia Wilkinson stopped by. Claudia, welcome to the show. Thank you. Claudia, thanks so much for coming on. First question for you. Season's been going pretty all right so far. I mean, talk about what it's been like so far for you on the personal level and on the team as well. Um, honestly, we have a lot of talent this year on both sides for distance and sprinting. But yeah, a lot of hard workers and people who just like have the drive to get want to get better and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously starting up the outdoor campaign, you had a really successful indoor campaign, second in the GLIAC and high jump, which is uh, really impressive for those that don't know. Just talk about going through indoor season, the progression you made and able to get on the podium at the end of the year. Um, I knew that being on the podium was something that was really in my range. Um, coming in as a freshman, I tied for second in the GLIAC and the indoor as well. And um, really indoor High jump and outdoor high jump is you just have to show up on the day on the bus ride there. I kind of just like visualized, like honestly, just being on the podium and then it kind of happened. And throughout the season, I struggled with my shin injury and was in a boot. And so I was just taking it one meet at a time and was honestly just happy to be there. Yeah. Now you're, I mean, you're still in the boot now, kind of struggling with that some, but I mean, you're still going to be competing this upcoming weekend. I mean, talk about what that's like on a mental level to prepare for. I'll be hurting for this meet, but I'll still be ready to compete every day. Yes. Coming off from indoor, placing second and having like a PR of the season. My first outdoor meet, I actually no heighted for the first time ever, but that happens. And like, I kind of realized that like, it's just part of being an athlete. And so it kind of puts a lot more pressure on this meet, but it's still just a factor of I'm happy to be there and happy to compete and just thankful that I can do it. So, yeah. And obviously if we talked on the show last weekend or should say last earlier this week that that me in and of itself was just absolute chaos yeah. too. So, uh, I'm pretty sure that the high jump mat at one point also flipped all the way over in the wind. I think that needs to be mentioned that, yeah, those things literally weigh like 40 pounds, these mats, and it got completely upended and almost hit the five cares on the track. So definitely the wind was involved, but when, especially when it comes to high jump, obviously like me on the running side, I have a routine that I go through, especially, um, that's very similar always on the time, very routine, not necessarily superstitious, but what are those things that you like to do for high jump? Um, especially cause I mean, for myself more doing runs and getting kind of warmed up for you more plyometrics and stuff like that. Um, I would say it's really similar to running instead of in the sense of like the warm up. but I guess for me specifically for track, I kind of have like, um, an alter ego that I kind of step into. Um, I'm confident in my abilities, but I'm not always like a confident person. And so that alter ego per se helps me to do that and step in and be confident coming up to the mat and things like that. Yeah, cool. You can just flip the switch and you're, you're ready to compete. And especially with like training for that type of stuff is like sprinting hurdles. It's a lot different than, you know, jumping and a lot of different muscles in that way. I mean, can you talk about what that, what's the biggest difference between, you know, training in the off season as well as in season to be able to get ready for those different events? Honestly, in the off season, I don't really jump a lot. Um, I do a lot of lifting and I think that is what a huge factor is as well, because I mean, if I jumped like five times a week, it'd actually be worse for me than if I jumped like two or one. So mm -hmm. it's kind of just like finding that middle ground of what works for you. Yeah. And especially with, um, training obviously in high jump. And like, as you mentioned, it's, it feels like there's not a lot of real ways to improve high jump because you're doing it so many times and over and over. Then you obviously with the technique of it, uh, it just seems so tedious, right? Like one thing, little thing can be wrong. You work three jumps to fix that. Then there's something else wrong when you go through a meet, especially, and obviously with each height, you can get three shots at it. What are those things that you kind of go through? Like, Oh, I might've tweaked this up, but I don't want to tweak that up too much in the next two jumps, because then obviously you have the risk of not going through that height. What are some of those things mentally that you go through during competition, especially when you're facing some of the best, of the best where you might not have that first try go the best way, but you still have the two to kind of get your back and get, make sure you can get over that height. Well, high jump specifically, it's important to actually get over on your first height because like in conference, let's say indoor, the girl who got first, we actually cleared the same height, but she missed less. And so I guess I come up trying to hit the first height. And if I don't kind of just regroup and just say, okay, let's get the next height. Sometimes my coach is there to help 
see those things, but like not all the time. And some, but most of the time it's just like to take a step back or do something small. So. And I mean, preparing for a lot of those meets, what's on the playlist for you? Like, are you a big music person before you kind of more just want to be alone with the thoughts and uh, let those kind of take over? Uh, I definitely listened to a lot of rap music before. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Any particular artist? No. <laughs> uh, yeah. You just hit shuffle play on the, on the rap, on the rap section. Yeah. I respect okay. it. There you go. There you go. Uh, I know definitely with track and field superstition, as I mentioned, uh, definitely comes with uh, nutrition and especially the the day before. Is there anything that you got to have for breakfast or anything for lunch, especially for the later meets in the day? Um, specifically this season, since I've only been jumping, I've been able to like not stress so much about like, oh, I can't eat a sandwich right now or else I'll throw it up two minutes later. But um yeah, just making sure that I'm fueled and drinking a lot of water and stuff like that. Okay, right on, right on. Yeah, for sure. Claudia, thank you so much for coming on. Last question before you ask everybody that comes on the show, what's your favorite part about being a Ferris State Bulldog and being here in Big Rapids? Honestly, I just like love the community and I love that all athletes want everyone to get better. And like, we're just such a su successful school in all aspects. And I think it's because of the atmosphere that we have. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Claudia, for stopping by and I'll wish you good luck this weekend. Thank you for having me. Big thanks to Claudia for stopping by the show. Certainly cool to hear her inside as a collegiate high jumper. I hope you guys learned something. I know I certainly did. That was a great interview. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll take a quick break when we come back. Full Ferris State Sports in-depth breakdown as well as we'll get into MLB opening day. Stay tuned. And we are back, everybody. Going to be hopping into a more extended Fair State Sports Report, back how we always like to do it. Going to be hopping right into men's golf. They're going to be playing Friday and Saturday, the 7th and 8th of April at the Bill Blazer Memorial, and they're going to be trying to get that one going a little bit. Going to have a little bit nicer weather, I hope, uh, from these past couple of weeks I've been talking about. It's not always easy to play in this Michigan weather where you really don't know what is going to happen at any time. It could be 60 and sunny, or it could be 30 and snowing, and that is not always the best uh, when you're trying to golf and then women's are going to be playing Sunday and Monday at the Umsel Spring Invite and you know it's going to be at least a little bit better weather and uh, hopefully they're going to be able to kind of keep it going. Season's almost over and there's going to be a quick turnaround until Gleax Brandon and uh, hopefully these two these two golf meets can really uh, show up and show out for the dogs. Yeah absolutely I mean Caleb Bond was fantastic for the men I mean freshman winning a tournament. I mean, that's a monumental moment for him. What? Congrats for his performance, especially. Uh, and I mean, the team very, very deep. I mean, certainly you saw that, um, with the two, three, four spots with Zach, Adam and Dan. Um, so you definitely love to see that, especially through that depth, not just being able to push that up a little bit more and more, uh, obviously will come in the, obviously Bill Blazer, um, is a, is a tournament we saw last year. Of course, that's very familiar to us. So, um, definitely looking forward to them dropping the hammer there as well. The ladies third place overall in that NC4K, they put some really good damage against some really good teams. So, uh, really looking forward to seeing that success really go over, uh, into this upcoming weekend. Cause, uh, obviously Umsel spring invites going to be a very interesting interesting uh, environment being over there in Missouri. But I mean, the two, the only two teams that we lost to uh, from that last tournament was Tiffin and the University of Indianapolis. We beat a lot of the other GLIAC teams uh, in that field. So that's definitely a confidence booster, even though necessarily we didn't play as well as we probably would have expected. Still a lot of good things going through for this team coming yeah. up this weekend. Yeah, and that's what you mentioned. I mean, a lot of the teams that we've been seeing all throughout the season, uh, we played really well against them last weekend. So hopefully it's more of the same uh, this upcoming weekend. Next sport going to be hopping into, Brandon. Uh, I think we should go swing on over softball. Oh, swing it. Uh, yeah, you know me. I, eh, you know how it is. I mean, I'm a man of I'm a man of many words. I got that word talent right there. But <laughs> softball is going to be taking on Wisconsin Parkside on Saturday. And then they're also going to be taking on Purdue Northwest the day before, one and three. So it's going to be a pretty solid, interesting little spot here, especially when you look at the Gleak standings. Parkside is at the bottom there. They're honestly one of the only other teams worse than us so far, but Purdue Northwest is right above us in the standings. So two big sweeps uh, for these two games is going to be huge for us if we can get kind of going, especially with a couple more games and especially against some of the more harder teams in the Gleak. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a really interesting test. And I think especially over the last couple of games, not necessarily, we've kind of went through the home stretch a little bit, haven't really strung some hits together. We played very, very well defensively uh, against Grand Valley. I think that was something that was definitely notable. We pitched very well, played a really good game, only lost two to one to a nationally ranked team. That definitely is a good amount of confidence built up going into this weekend. So hopefully we can get some extra base hits. Coach Schumann's team can continue stealing bases. We can get a lot lot of players into scoring position and we can drive them in and hopefully come out of here uh, with four wins on the weekend. That'd be a huge momentum booster for this team. They desperately need it, uh, especially going into a really tough GLIAC road test as well as some other regional opponents coming up here in the later part of April. Absolutely. And then we got tennis as well. Also going to be in that anchor bone type situation down in Allendale. It's going to be a huge one. Men's tennis being taken on one of the I'd say mid-teams of the GLIAC so far, but women's have a tough test, especially with Grand Valley being one of the top teams in the GLIAC. Yeah, it's going to be a really tough matchup, especially on the road. We've been privileged to have a lot of home games so far, so now being able to take that process and turn it into gold on the road um, is certainly going to be an interesting sight to see. And I mean, especially with... Uh, the way that they the, this team really can play with pace. I know that's something that I noticed, especially looking back at the highlights, is they're very versatile. They can play at the slower pace, but they can speed it up, especially in our fast courts, and play at a higher pace. But obviously, we have one of the more faster courts in the GLIAC. Allendale, uh, I would assume, is at least a, 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 probably a touch slower, a notch slower, uh, maybe, maybe even more, but obviously not too familiar with it. But obviously, going to be slower nonetheless. Being able to take that process, play at a slower pace, is going to be a mental game this weekend. Um, and especially the mental Grand Valley, of course, is going to be the number one thing on the brain. It's the team that we want to beat in everything and everywhere. Um, so it's going to be a really fun matchup and a huge rivalry game coming up for Coach Doran's squad. Absolutely. And this one's going to be pretty solid. We were able to beat Davenport, that kind of gap game where you didn't want to uh, have that one get a little bit too much of a hiccup, able to get the business done for both teams. And I think they're going to be able to get the business done for Grand Valley as well. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Final event, track and field down at Grodling Grizzly coming up here, and it's going to be a really big one. Temperatures are supposed to be in the 40s and 50s, supposed to be a little partly cloudy. Maybe uh, we'll see a little bit of sunshine, but not looking to be too crazy as far as the weather. Maybe a little breezy, uh, but it doesn't appear to be as bad as what we had last weekend. Thank goodness, because I don't want to ever deal with that again. Um, but certainly it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a really fun meet. I think it's going to be a really good test for us competitively to see where we're at. Uh, and I think it's going to be, I mean, we're going to see D1 teams there. There's going to be some MAC teams there. There's going to be some really good D2 teams there. All the fields are loaded, distance sprints, as I mentioned earlier before in the first half of the show. Uh, but it's going to be, it's going to be legit meet. It's going to be a really good physical test for us. A lot of us, especially the distance squad that I've seen, we're in shape. We're ready to rock and roll. Last weekend's results was not a testament to the work that this team's put in. So we're really looking forward to showing that here this weekend um, in the elements, especially um, in better shape than in Western Kentucky as well. And everybody's really put in the work. So it's going to be a great weekend. And especially some standards are going to be hit before Bucknell. And that's going to be uh, on a lot of our minds. So it's going to be a fun meet nonetheless. And really looking forward to seeing the success here on the track down there in Rochester at Oakland mm -hmm. University. Going to be fun. It's going to be real solid. And I think you guys are going to be having some really great running weather, uh, especially from last week, which sucked. Yeah, you're telling me, dude. When <laughs> you get, rough, dude. when you have a <laughs> high jump mat upturned like a tree onto oh, a, the track, that's crazy. Guys, yeah, I mean, that's absurd. And I, I, that, I'm never going to forget that. I was thankful enough only my spike bag was on the high jump mat and not myself because that could have been bad. If so I just you would have flown and just got pinky Flying into the spectators. Now I got bones broken and... Oh gosh, a lot of insurance to fill out. And I don't want to do that. Job, that's lame. So anyway, that's the Fair State Sports Report finishing out the show. Tigers faithful. Hey, you're probably on the right station because that's where you can listen to the Tigers all season long on WBRN. Right now we're in the home opener as we record this on Thursday. You guys will be hearing it here at the end uh, of the stand where uh, we'll be taking on the Red Sox at home in our home opening series against right now, Boston. 3-2 top of the fifth. We so. are winning right now. Miguel Cabrera, an RBI knock in his final Detroit opener. How great of a story book that is. It, but it was actually kind of cool to see uh, when we went or when they were down in Houston, what they did for his final uh, season. Oh, yeah, the cowboy, cowboy hat. hat. Yes. That was pretty cool. That's good stuff. But I mean, really kind of looking at the Tigers overall, I mean, obviously, the first couple games. 
stunk. But yeah. I mean, really good bounce back, beating the Nash the the former champions a year ago in the Astros. I mean, that's I know Joe, you love to see I that. I love so, to see that, especially you seeing love that. To see that. Seen, since we won the series, there it was some pretty solid uh Pretty solid offensive show out so far. I feel like the problem right now is just kind of finding the identity and being able to find a solid go about with our bullpen as well as kind of our starting rotation. That's kind of being the big thing right now because I think we can get by with what we have offensive-wise and defensive-wise. It's just getting our bullpen and our pitching staff back to a spot where every day all five of those uh, roster spots are going to be filled with guys who can just sling it. And that's something that we've been missing since, you know, the heyday of when we had one of the greatest pitching rotations ever, ever assembled. And I think that's going to be the tough part, especially, I mean, I forget who's starting for us this today. Was it uh, Trimble? Trimble? Trimble's on the mound. Turnbull, baby. Nice. Yes. So he's a good I mean, pitcher. <laughs> he, he's a good pitcher, but he's not like a fantastic one. Like we haven't really been able to, I mean, replenish what we've been losing Ouch. so far and throwing shade at Spencer I mean, term. Dude, you I know can't, you can't lie though, but I mean, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. It's been the, really the problem with this team is we have too much to compare to, to yeah, be honest, what we used to be at. Yes. Like, that's the, that's the worst part about it. And I think the tougher part about it is like the guys who are paying a lot of money right now are just not good. Like Javi Baez is not going to be able to replicate what he did in the world baseball classic to what he's going to be able to do this season. Yeah. Like, and I've, I wasn't really a big fan of him when we signed him anyways. I was like, oh, okay, we got a big name. But seeing the guy, he doesn't – his batting average is in the crapper most of the time, then you're going to be in a struggle bus. Yeah. Here's the thing. We're 2-3 and three right now and could be on our way to 3-3. Three and three. I knock on wood if we can hold out against the Red Sox. This team has the second-worst ERA so far through the first five games, second-worst hitting team through the first five games. It can only get better. <laughs> That's the thing that really brings it about. But when you look, especially at this lineup, I mean, how about Matt Veerling the other day? Holy mackerel, that kid played well. What is it, five hits he had, including yeah. the uh, the game-winning RBI? I mean, he's really looking like a really fantastic player for this Tigers team. But uh, I think especially when you see in the development, obviously, of a lot of these top-tier guys, obviously Torkelson had a breakout game a couple uh, couple games ago. Big Torque Bomb, obviously. I mean, watching him in West Michigan was unbelievable. I wish we could see that every week dude, from him in West Detroit. West Michigan, you thought he was just going to go yard every time. He oh my was gosh, so good. Dude, he literally... He will literally look like that kid. He's playing baseball in easy mode. Yeah, he literally looked like that guy. I just say hey, he's a kid. I'm like 20. One, I should probably stop because he's older than me, but uh, we're almost about the same age. So that's the so. irony of that statement. But I mean, he would just make it look so easy. And that would kind of scared me a little bit because obviously when you get to the majors, it's not easy at all. So, uh, but him just trying to get consistently Riley Green, obviously getting back from injury, he's still kind of getting the wheels turning a little bit. Um, and I mean, obviously Miguel Cabrera, his final season is going to be one for the storybooks. So it's definitely going to be one of those seasons where a lot could happen from now until the end of September. Uh, but there's one thing that's for sure. And I think that this team really has some expectations to be much better, obviously with a new GM in, obviously with some new players on, just a whole new kind of culture, it feels like, especially with the other teams built around. Yeah. The lines and the wings are starting to get on there's, the up and there's up. A, there's a big turnaround for what Detroit sports is going on right now, but it's just going to be the culture of, if the Tigers can kind of establish a culture of winning is going to be the big thing. And the first thing you got to do there is just pitching. Yeah, it's got to be. That, it's got to be pitching. ERA right now. Yeah, Rodriguez. See now our starting pitcher right now that's pitching against the Red Sox is a 27 ERA. Yeah, it's not great right now for Spencer Turnbull, but it could be. It could get better. And I mean, Eduardo especially. But we got a lot of guys still um, that'll be coming back, especially like Matt Manning. Uh, obviously, we can get some guys later on um, that are starting off in the lower levels. Jackson Joboy in one of them, one of our star round picks. I believe he'll be starting in West Michigan, but I would not be surprised he gets up to Erie in the next couple of weeks and months into the season. Um, but I think it'll be very interesting to see this team grow, and I think the new leadership could be that little spark we need. It'll be very interesting. Interesting moving forward. But that's going to do it for this episode here on News Radio WBRN. You can catch the rest of the program when we get into NBA as well as some other topics, the Masters this weekend. So make sure that you go over to the podcast platforms to see the rest of the show and hear our thoughts on that. But until next time on WBRN, signing off, Brandon Worth, Joe Nagy. And until next time, take care, everybody. Back from our second break. Thanks for all that are on the podcast platforms. Podcast homies, you guys are the best. <laughs> we love you guys. You're the OGs. 
for they us. Really so we are. appreciate that. Really You'll are. probably be joined by some radio listeners, obviously. Can't air the whole show on WBR. And unfortunately, I wish we had space for that, um, but certainly glad to get enough space as it is for our two shorter segments. But certainly glad you guys can experience that live on the air as much as we do, especially. But moving over into the show now, we got a couple things here for the last part of our show here, especially the Masters and the NBA playoffs both run the doorstep. They'll be here before we know it. Masters is already kicking off here today, actually, here on Thursday. And certainly some big headlines coming up um, for the best tournament in all of golf, hands down. No huge. debate. It's a huge day for it's a huge day for us Masters fans, to be honest. Oh, yeah. It's a huge day. It's been a day that everybody's been waiting for for a long time, getting out on the link, swinging the club around, uh, and definitely just getting outside. And being able to go play uh, has been pretty much on the minds of a lot of people, especially playing golf like myself. I know Joe and a lot of other people out there have just been waiting and waiting and waiting to get outside and play. Um, and now it's really the time to do so. And especially now that we have it on television um, for the biggest event of the year in golf is really cool. But Masters, obviously in Augusta, no need to talk about the history. It speaks in of itself. Um, but I think the definite biggest thing here um, with this year's Masters, Joe, and I know we talked a little bit about it off air a little bit, and obviously uh, been a lot of publication and media coverage behind this. Obviously, $15 million purse for this year's tournament. Very, very high. One of the highest, I think, of all time as far as the pod's yeah. concerned. Um, but definitely in the money aspect is a different kind of field now that we got PGA and Liv kind of going you know, button heads a little bit yeah. here at Augusta. So it's going to be a really interesting way about it. And I think now when you see all this field together, I think there's going to be um, a lot, a lot, a lot of people looking at the comparison and comparison and comparison of these players as much as them individually now with these two leagues together that we have never seen before. And I think that's going to be really interesting where we see some people saying, what are Dust- what is Dustin Johnson? What is Phil Mickelson doing compared to Rory McIlroy compared to some of these other guys that are on the PJ Tour? I think this is going to bring one of the most interesting Masters tournaments we've ever seen going this weekend. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, especially with, like, live golf, we've seen them, like, really struggle with kind of putting up numbers how they have been. But so far in the leaderboard right now, I mean, also, not everybody's been playing so far. There's tee times all spread out all throughout the day. So I think, like, Rory McIlroy still has to play. Jordan Spieth still has to play. His tee time's going to be um, around 2 o'clock. So it should be starting up pretty soon if it hasn't already in the uh the stat sheet just hasn't been updated and stuff like that. But a lot of these uh, live golf guys are kind of coming to play so far. I mean, you got uh, Brooks Kapka sitting at second right now at minus four. You got Patrick Reed at minus two. <clears throat> you got Harold Varner also at minus two. You got a lot of guys already in that top 20 spot so far. Um, but I think when you look at how the how the tournament's going to go so far, going to go, and especially with the habits that this, that this live tour has kind of showed, it's like these guys don't have to play for a cut. They already make the money that they do. It's guaranteed. And so are they going to be able to kind of pick it up with some of these PGA guys who are still used to it? Of course, it's the Masters, so they all want to win it as much as they can because, I mean, it's the most prestigious club in golf if you win the Masters because it is the upper echelon of a, of a tournament in the game of golf. But I think that's really the only thing that's making them want to play good because, I mean, when you got Phil Mickelson coming to the Masters and he struggles to even make par half the time when he's on uh, the Live Tour, and you're probably going to see him near the top 50 in this one, it's going to be interesting because they finally have somebody to play for, and it's kind of hypocritical because they are actually like trying to win something rather than just uh, scrape by and try to make some mediocre golf happen on the, uh, on the live tour because that's all they can do because they already make the money for it, and they lost what actually makes playing the game of golf fun, at least for uh, the people who are watching the game and basically give them a platform, but we'll talk about that later. And everybody knows my opinions on this matter so far. I'm not going to try to ramble as much as I usually do, but I think you're still going to see a pretty solid show of uh, competition. I think Rory has been playing out of his mind lately and he's been playing really solid. You might be able to see him actually finally be able to win a, uh, win a major this year, get into that master's club. And I think you're going to see a lot of other uh, surprising performances. I still like Bubba Watson, regardless of him, being on the lift tour. I've been a fan of him for a very long time. It pains me, but I still think he's going to be able to do pretty solid. He's tied 54th right now, but still in round one, you still got a lot of golf to play. He's only through 14. So he might be able to get it back to at least even or minus two or something like that, where it'll set him up pretty solid for round two, but it'll be an interesting one, especially with the mixed playing field. 
Yeah, and the one thing I've noticed so far here through the first couple of players uh, going through the uh, first couple holes is, I mean, there's a lot of aggression at the top of the leaderboard, and especially on hole two, obviously a very gettable par five. Nobody's even thinking about laying up uh, so far. I'm counting already, and I think I see at least four or five out of the first couple players already that have taken a eagle on on hole two already. So that's showing me that the 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 conditions are very aggressive for some low scores, and I think that's what we want to see from the Masters. And obviously, uh, uh-huh. right now we have a lot of big names at the top that you just mentioned. I mean, Victor Hovland is absolutely tearing it up right now. He's at 700 through 14. I mean, he's on a tear um, right now as far as leading this one. Obviously, everybody's looking to beat Scotty Scheffler. He's the guy to beat right now, and he's been playing fantastic right now. Definitely, I think the leader in FedEx Cup points um, last time I checked as well as just money winnings in the season as a whole. Um, But he's he's been fantastic, and you really have to look at what he's done and say, Man, this guy is incredibly consistent and he's just been phenomenal in that aspect. But I think when you also look back, I mean, interesting part as well, I think, right, uh, I believe it is whole, it was a whole 12 that they, they pushed back this year. Um, that's a little bit longer. So I've heard a couple of players are saying that that's a, a really good thing for the players overall. Um, to make that hole just a little bit more exciting and a little bit more interesting to, to lengthen that hole. Obviously, um, that one back in the day um, caused really a ruckus for Jordan Spieth at this course. <laughs> yeah. but um, And that was that was really the end of the tournament that pretty much kind of stopped Jordan Spieth at the moment in his tracks in his career. But now he's bounced back and obviously um, has been playing very well as of recently. I can't see him on the leaderboard as of just yet. Um, but I think he's down there just a little bit ways. I think he's actually in one of the later tee times. So I don't think he's actually, yeah, he's just went through one. So he just teed off um, as well as some other guys like Tommy Fleetwood, uh, Max Holma, as well as down there, Tony Finau, a couple of those guys for sure. Um, but I think you see a lot of other names down on the list. Obviously Tiger's back playing in the masters. Good to see him a little bit down on the leaderboard so far that I can see right now. Uh, I believe sitting, I think at three over through 14, but obviously it's Tiger Woods. You don't count out Tiger Woods. Uh, in any sport whatsoever, uh, I think he can be a good basketball player too. I don't honestly, I don't, I don't know. We'll, <laughs> well maybe not now with the leg. Well, also. maybe not. It's probably a good idea for his health. But uh, I think there's definitely a lot of young talent going to be on the board. Unfortunately, not going to be seeing Will's Torres in this tournament yeah, as we he's learned out from injury. Yeah, that's unfortunate because I really like the way he plays as well, and I think he's definitely been a prominent player on this tour. But right now, Xander Shoffley, probably the best name in golf in my opinion. John Rahm, uh, of course, uh, with Brooks Kepka up there. Uh, I think, I mean, even Sam Bennett, the amateur champion right now is making some noise. He's three under through three right now, trying to make some noise as well uh, as Masters winner from a year. Was it a year ago? Matsuyama won a year ago already. It doesn't. Year two. Was it I two think. years ago? Like time keeps I, flying. Scotty, Scotty won last year. Was it? Okay. So it would have been two years ago. See, it feels like last year. Time's flying, yeah. man. It's kind of creepy, but yeah, it's going to be really interesting. But Masters tournament, I mean, obviously we're going to be looking at uh, the, the, the whole standings here, mm-hmm. uh, throughout the majority of, of the next couple of days. And it's going to be fun to recap on Monday and, uh, maybe we'll have a new champion. Maybe, maybe. Scotty Scheffler just I, staying uh, hot again. I, I find it funny because I was, I was looking at some of like them. So like each year, the, uh, the previous masters winner holds a dinner for all the previous. Oh winners, yes. Right? I have seen. And that. it's funny. Cause like, you'll see what they'll like release like the the menu card which is usually like a main course it's like an appetizer main course and dessert or whatever and so like some guys like uh what's his name um matsuhiro whatever he had like japanese a5 wagyu like just a whole bunch of random stuff like miso soup and all that stuff like traditional like japanese stuff yeah and then like you go back to bubba watson and he had like grilled chicken and cheeseburgers (laughs) <laughs> American fries and stuff like that. And I was just like, that just sounds like Bubba Watson. And there's other guys who like go all out because they have to pay for it and like yeah, yeah. provide it or whatever. But I mean, honestly, each year there adds another person to the table. So if I'm pay, if I got to pay for it, I'm not going to go crazy with it. If I ever had to do one. Yeah. That'd be kind of crazy. I go like home cooking food. Probably. Yeah. I can't remember what uh, Scotty Scheffler asked for last year. Scotty Scheffler asked for like, I think he did burgers as well. Is it mistaken. something like burgers? I feels like that's kind of a common combo. I'll look it up. Google. Google.com. Did Scotty Scheffler. We need like some. For the masters. Some dinner. bumper buffer music here as we Google. Yeah. Things. Google <laughs> is a great source. In 2023 tool, masters. Scotty Scheffler's champions dinner menu includes Scotty style cheeseburger sliders. The hardest dinner reservation to get in sports is taking place Tuesday evening at the 2023 masters. Some for that some cheeseburgers. Look at that. Yeah, he's having a Texas themed champions dinner. 
Oh, okay. So like burgers and probably barbecue and stuff. That sounds really good. That's Gosh fun. darn it. Now I'm hungry now. Just about lunchtime I was recording this. So I might I have to say, grab yeah, I'm getting hungry. Yeah, but I definitely going to be. Oh, I got the menu here. It's oh. uh, Texas ribeye steak or black and red fish, cheeseburger ciders, fryer cracker shrimp, tortilla soup, and warm chocolate chip skillet cookie. <sighs> Actually sounds really good. That sounds real good. That sounds like that. That sounds. Do we cut the episode <laughs> and go eat right now? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, guys. Yeah, this Masters, this Masters is going to be pretty solid. Unfortunately, Jeff Knox, the uh, mysterious fill-in uh, after the cut has been announced, he's not going to be playing this year, who's the famous Masters member who kind of comes in if there's an odd number and he'll play with somebody. He's not going to be playing this year, which is unfortunate. He's made his retirement after the 2022 season. Uh, so that's going to be a tradition of the Masters that we're all going to miss, which is going to be unfortunate. But I think there's going to be some pretty solid competition regardless. Early prediction. Who do you think is going to win the whole thing, Brandon? Oh, that's tough. I'm not going to pick Scotty Scheffler. Not going to be not going to be that guy, even though I think he's definitely uh, the guy to beat. I've looked back at a couple guys that I've picked in years past, and I kind of want to go back to some of them. Um, but I would say right now, um, I would look at a player like potentially John Rahm is my first kind of pick. I know that's kind of like, a, you know, yeah, go pick one of the top five players. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, but I think his game, I think, really has not necessarily represented how great he truly is the last couple of tournaments. Obviously, he hasn't been uh, in the winner's circle for a little bit. He's obviously gotten here and there, but not necessarily the consistency, especially that Scotty Shuffler's been put on. Yeah. Uh, but I think right now, the way that he's playing, I really like the round one scores that he's been putting up so far. Um, and I think it'll be very interesting to see where he ends up. Uh, obviously, you'll be watching some of the other guys, the younger guys, um, as they kind of tee off. Where's JT going to be? Uh, where's Phil obviously going to be and you can look at some other guys Jason Day is another one I'll probably be watching I mean it's been a while since we've really seen him have a really breakout tournament so this could be it for him I mean he's stepped up in the Masters a couple years not necessarily all of them but definitely a couple years but uh, if you were to take if I were to take a pick right now I might go with my boy John Ron I might go with him right so. now what do you about you uh, I don't know. There's a lot of guys who I was thinking that could play really well. I'm really surprised with Victor Hovland right now because he's playing out of his mind. And I wasn't really thinking of him as one of the guys who was going to make a lot of noise. It's him. I thought he's going to be chilling around like 10 spot. He's going to make the cut, but I didn't think he was going to make it that far. Uh, but right now, I think I'm going to go Victor. I feel like he's been playing really high. He's three strokes ahead of uh, Kepka already. He's playing about, he's already played about six more holes. Uh, but when you look at everybody else so far on the on the leaderboard, it might be a little bit of a struggle to keep up with him. But as much as I might paint to say, Brooks Kepka might take it as well. Yeah, it could be one for sure. Another name I might be watching, Harold Varner. The guy that ah, played HV3, eh? yeah, HV3. He played really well in the first two rounds last year. Not necessarily all the way through. Um, finishing out strong, mm -hmm. but uh, I think this could be a really comeback tournament for yeah. him, especially from last year's performance. Right now, I believe he's sitting at two under through nine, pretty solid, pretty mm -hmm. pretty much right under the board where you want to be. Um, and definitely you can see the way that he plays very aggressively. Uh, I think that could really benefit him based on what we've seen from yeah. the conditions of this and, course. Uh, so always got to watch out for good old Roy McElroy. He's oh, one course. under through two. He's going to be doing pretty solid. And I'm really hoping that he gets his uh, first major win in a long time. Yeah. A lot of full swing fans, I'm sure, will be yeah. rooting for guys like Rory McIlroy. Yeah. And a lot of sure. live haters are going to be rooting for him as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm in that boat. Yep. Yeah. Full swing, by the way. Goated. Oh, yeah. It's such a good... Epic. A, if you got Netflix, watch it. It's super good. Please do. I didn't really know the full behind the scenes about golf. And I remember watching the first episode, and I believe that's what Jordan and JT together is the first episode, I want to say. Or is maybe it's the first or the second one. And I learned about kind of the camaraderie that those guys have off the off the course and just kind of working and training together. And That's obviously really cool that whole vibe, see, it is a unique and because I kind of assumed obviously individual sport. I know they probably hang out with each other, um, pro probably not necessarily like all the time, but like. They hang out all the time. It's like, a, it is not, it doesn't feel like a job to them. And that's what really yeah. just kind of makes me go like, wow. Jealous of them too. Yeah. It is so freaking cool. These guys can literally go play golf for a living. And it, the way that they do it consistently wise, 18 holes a day, 72, a tournament. Ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And the sport of golf is hard enough. And these yeah. guys make it way, way, way too easy. But it's certainly interesting. Masters is certainly going to be up and swing. I do want to say this. You're kind of finishing out the point. 
I saw that the concession stands were posted uh, or concession cheap. stand prices. Super cheap. Thank you, you Augusta. My goodness. Well, you want to know why? Well, I know why. why? Because they'll, be, they'll be doing 70 million in merchandise sales. Oh, 100%, which that's great. But it doesn't necessarily and mean they have to drive the, up concessions. Well, I know. That's why, that's why they don't is because they don't. Yeah, they, they don't, don't need, need to. to. And that's like one of the things that like makes, because especially if you go to like any sporting event, anything, everything's chalked up like 120 200, 300, by 400% or something yeah, like that. Yeah, absolutely. If you want to go get a beer at a hockey game, I can get a tall boy at a gas station for $3. Yeah. I pay 17 at some. Yeah, exactly. I like the Griffins or It's whatever. the experience, yeah. But if you, go to, if you go to the Masters, I mean, what is it? Pimento cheese sandwich is like buck fifty. Egg salad sandwich is a buck fifty. You can get a beer for five. You can get a like a barbecue sandwich for three or something like that. They don't chalk it up, which is really cool. But yeah. that's the, the, if you look just a step further, which they're not hiding it. It's just that they make 70 million off of just that one weekend right. in sales. And that's what I like is that they recognize that and they're saying, yeah, we can give back to the fans a little bit. Let's make concessions a little cheaper because there's obviously they're going to be making a crap ton in merchandise as you just mentioned here. But I think the biggest thing is like for some people that honestly, like myself, if I went to the masters, I might buy maybe a couple of things of merchandise, like maybe a mm -hmm. polo or something. I'm not going to go out and spend thousands of dollars, but that alongside with, the, the cheaper concessions, like it makes you feel better and it makes you feel like they care, you know, like that yeah. feels like a live golf thing to do. <clears throat> you're already making money, but you're still up charging on concessions because you still, you need to masters. No, they don't need to. They realize that in that identity that they want to be the yeah. friendly spectator sport of golf. And now that they're doing that, I think that's really cool. Yeah. And I think that's epic all, for the money savers like myself for concessions and don't have to pay five dollars for a bag of freaking chips cry me a river some of you guys are crazy and i like that about the masters and i thought i just wanted to point that out that yeah. they're doing a great job with that i'm doing a quick little uh quick little uh math thing real oh. quick so i wanted to see how much they made like just off of green fees and stuff because it says five hundred twenty five dollars for members for each round of golf and five hundred twenty five for guests of members so it's not, obviously it's not a public course. It's a private course. And I try to figure out if they have like a, how many rounds are played at Augusta national year, roughly, let's say, I don't know, 20,000 rounds of golf played a year, 20,000 times 500 would be what? 10 million, right? I'm trying to track my math. 20,000 times 500. Yeah. Right. Sounds right. 20,000. Cause you had three. Two more zeros. Yeah. So that'll be like yeah. 10 million. Yeah. To make that, you probably make 70 million off of merch just that one weekend, not to mention probably another, let's say, ballpark safety area, 20 million just off a of regular whatever it is, right? Like whatever, like 20 million just in general. Yeah. So you're saying just off of that stuff, you're probably a golf course making near 100 million a year, which is insane. <laughs> yeah. Pretty crazy stuff. That's <laughs> just wild to me, dude. How that isn't like the fact that they're bringing in that much money. How much do they spend? In, in just to imagine in really this one weekend in four days, just four days. Maintenance. Absolutely bonkers to me, but it's certainly going to be a really fun tournament. I think nonetheless, obviously it's Augusta uh, being down there, especially is just. They are raking in the money. It costs $40,000 for upkeep there. What? Just for like, yeah. 40? For, uh, so My brain the, just broke. Augusta National Golf Club comes a high price for membership. If you're lucky enough to be invited to join, you can expect pay initiation fees and annual dues that total around $40,000. Bro, what? <laughs> I didn't think it was that much. I knew it was expensive, but geez. 40K? Four with four zeros? Yeah, for a membership. And then 40. maintenance costs... I read that wrong. It costs forty thousand for a membership, and then maintenance costs how much? Please don't. Tell they me have it's probably more than sixty. Don't tell me it's a, six digits either. I'm gonna leave the room if it's over six digits. I can't even see. It doesn't even say. I feel like they probably just keep that hidden. Yeah, it's probably six digits. They don't want us to know. Say, well, I mean, you're also playing on incredibly nice grass, and there's probably not a bad line the whole place. Oh yeah, so. it's the greatest course in the world, yeah. basically. So, I mean, it makes sense, but just the fact that it's $100,000, yeah, it just gave me shivers. My bank just shivered. For, let's do another Google search. Oh, Google. here we go. How many members are at Augusta? Give them a call real quick. Uh, probably got to be. There's 118 famous people that are, I think, that are. Members. Members. 
Um, yeah, there's like a lot of like real estate moguls, uh, a lot Makes of like sense. CEOs. Makes sense. A lot of oil and gas CEOs. Makes sense. Athletes? Um, so sports guys, Ian sure. Webb, if you remember him, he's kind of, he's not like a huge guy. Lou Holtz is a member there. Really? Lou Holtz. Um, Sweet Lou Holtz. I'm trying I to find out imagine. anything else. Uh, the name Jack Burke Jr. rings a bell. I can't remember exactly who it is, but there's a lot of like real estate guys, a lot of tech people. Bill Gates. Of course. He's a member. Of, of course. Of always. Uh, William Payne. Um, if you know who that is. William Payne. He's a chairman at Augusta. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, that makes sense. Figure out. I mean, Being there's the just a lot of names that like just sound rich. Oh. <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of lawyers. Yep. Uh, yep. Edward Hurley. That sounds like a lawyer. Yep. Um, <laughs> That's stereotyping I mean, on the show. Yeah. yeah. But there's just a lot of guys who are, I don't see any women's names. So. Really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Actually, there's- Condoleezza Rice. Is that a, Oh, is that a woman? Yeah. A, yeah. 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 She's in the, um, she's Oh my in, gosh. She's a government official. Yeah. 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 And then could be Francis Townsend. I don't know if that's a man or a woman, but I Francis, know Francis is, uh, is a swing either way. Now. Uh, that is a politician, Francis Townsend. Uh, Condoleezza I, believe. I don't well, know. Well, just was. based what off is, my Google. Condoleezza wait, wait, Rice? you said Francis Townsend. Yeah. Oh, the yeah, person remember? the person that I just searched is actually deceased uh, with that name. Well, that's uh Francis A. Townsend Jr. So Oh, Junior. Yeah. Okay. Well then I would assume well, that there's also a Ronald Townsend who might be his brother. Or, or, oh, or, could or, be. It might it so might be. suspect how a government official can afford a forty thousand dollar a year membership fee. A little suspect if you ask me, but suspicious. That's uh that's a conversation for somebody can investigate. Uh, a politics podcast. Politics podcast. You're welcome for that investigation. <laughs> for that, yeah. for that investigation, you are under investigation. Anyway, enough golf talk. We'll finish up the show here with some NBA playoffs coming up here. Only a couple games left here, Joe. A couple teams fighting to get their way into the postseason right now. The Western Conference. Really is the only one. The Eastern is pretty much set in stone right now. Uh, all the other teams in contention have been eliminated. The 10 teams have been selected. Western Conference, though, this is where it definitely has become interesting, where the Dallas Mavericks found themselves on the outside looking in, and now they're going to need some help here in the final two games. They need the Thunder to lose <coughs> as well as them to win to get in, despite being at one point, if I remember, Joe, second or third in this conference and then making a trade for Kyrie Irving that has now plummeted them potentially out of the playoffs. That is incredible how oh, yeah. he just has bad luck no matter where he goes. I just feel like he's a locker room cancer at this point. Like, if he hasn't been in, like, the only person I feel like Kyrie Irving is going to be able to mesh well is LeBron. Like you can't, you can't put him in his box. I feel like he's just got so much stuff going on now where you're not going to be able to really work with him in any way. But yeah, the Dallas thing was wild because when you made, when they made the trade, I was like, that could work. But also is Kyrie going to be able to play second fiddle to Luca? And I didn't think so. And then obviously that's not working out right now. So right. It's not really that solid because you have Luca, who is already the main man who got the ball all the time. And then Kyrie's a guy who's like, well, I want the ball. I'm the best ball handler in the, in the NBA. And then you can't really just tell him like, Hey, you gotta like adopt to this because he's been kind of that locker room cancer. So I don't know. Dallas, I felt like shot themselves in the foot with that one because I feel like everybody knew that that was going to be a bad trade, but they made it anyways. Yeah. I think also you can't really blame it because the Nets was like, no, you're not going to, you're not going to Lakers because you screwed us over. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I think when you look at it, it's unfortunate too because I know we've looked at um, Kyrie's kind of career under a microscope now, especially with this. This I know a lot of analysts have looked at it, especially with this collapse from Dallas. You look at him in Cleveland with LeBron, obviously won a chip there. Yeah, that was probably the best Kyrie we've ever seen. That was probably the best Kyrie we've ever seen. And I think too, if, I mean, the fact of that, pair that with the Celtics experiment, right? Got kind of in the mix, not all the way there. Maybe got to the Western Conference Finals one year, if I remember correctly, or if not, we're one step away. Get to Brooklyn, obviously with him, Katie, James Harden, whole mess there. And then now obviously in Dallas, just trying to figure it out with Luka Doncic. He's one of the he's one of the more talented players in the league, but like people are questioning his character as a winner. 
And I think that's a it's, that's a fair thing to put in the light is when he was uh, in Cleveland, it was it was Braun's show. It was back to Akron. It was his thing. Kyrie was along for the ride. He was a really good player. I'm not discrediting him as a player. He's one of the most talented players in the league today, if not one of the best all pretty much of the last decade. But the thing of it is, when it comes down to winning games, Kyrie's just not the necessarily guy that's scrapping, bringing down a lot of boards, playing really good defense, and, mm-hmm. and really He relies getting, on everybody else to do that. He does. He and wants the final shot, but he's not going to really put the work. Right. He's on a great offensive player. Defensively, he's not as good of a player. Now, obviously, he's very talented, more talented defensively than I ever will be, and probably half the guys in the league. But when you compare to some of these other teams in the Western Conference, like the Nuggets, right? You got Jamal Murray, you got Nikola Jokic. You got a lot of great other fits around those guys that can play defense and can really scrap you wins by being winners, right? That's just the way that that team was been has been made up, and that's why they're good year after year, right? You have Contavious Caldwell-Pulp there. You have Michael Porter Jr. there. You have Aaron Gordon there. You have Bruce Brown now. You have Jeff Green. Those guys aren't necessarily the most talented players, but they're scrappy, physical guys that can help you win games. And that's the makeup that the Denver Nuggets have to make them successful, right? Then you also have the Lakers in that experience with LeBron. And now them after making that trade um, to get really some new guys in, offering Russell Westbrook now to the Clippers, which now he's played really well because he hasn't been forced to play a position that he's not used to like he was in L.A. They have D'Angelo Russell back. Austin Reeves has been the story of the NBA so far. And then you have Jared Vanderbilt, who's been playing phenomenal in his role at that four spot with A.D. So it's not necessarily about bringing the best guys in the room to make your team better. And I can't stand the fact that we have all these supposed super teams trying to get together because it's not going to win you a championship. We've seen him try it the last five years, right? Five years. Obviously, the KDC experience with Steph and Clay and Draymond worked, right? Because yeah. you took four of the best players in the world at that time and put them all on the same team. But they figured out how to play with each other's skill sets perfectly enough because Draymond's not necessarily a ball-heavy guy. He's a facilitator. He's a yeah. scrappy guy. He's not going to want the ball as I much like as Steph already, and Clay and KD did. And those guys knew how to roles, share it. They already set up the roles before. And I think when right. you have... Because especially if you look at that, if you try to relate to that with Dallas situation, you really only have Luka, who's like the main guy. Yeah. If you have three guys who are solidified in their roles and solidified all-stars and have been able to already have success with that team... And then you bring in another superstar. It's a lot easier to convince that superstar coming in with three different guys that, hey, know your role. We're going to work this out and we're going to gel together than just Luca being like, let's work this out with Kyrie, who's one of the toughest ones to be able to work it out with. Yeah, because when you looked at it, Luca is obviously playing with Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson's a younger guy that was willing uh, to play alongside of Luca. But he's going to have that cred. Yet, yeah. Like. Yeah. He was one of those players that you were looking necessarily at a box office kind of player. Now, obviously, uh, he's been much better in New York since he left um, Dallas. But, I mean, now you look at this lineup with Tim Hardaway, Reggie Bullock, Dwight Powell, along with those two guys. I mean, there's not a whole lot of flexibility in that lineup. Not really, no. There's really not a lot of interchangeability like you see with some of these other teams. And that's the problem, especially like defensively. It, they can be they can be physical, but they're not necessarily the best offensive team as in position of structure, you know, like you have Luca and Kyrie up top. They're very ball heavy guys. You have yeah. Tim Hardaway is a good shooter. Reggie Bullock can be a good shooter. Uh, but those guys don't necessarily play the game so inside out that it gives Luca and Kyrie that much room to operate. And then you have a couple guys that are pretty, I mean, pretty solid players off the bench, like uh, Frank, the tanks, obviously up there at the one, then you got Justin holiday. You can throw in there, Josh green, as well as Maxi Kleber and Christian Wood, a guy that played for uh, the Pistons at one time, but it's just not necessarily the best fit in that lineup. And that's what's put them out of it right now. And they got a long ways to go because um, they're going to have to outdo the Thunder right now to get in. But it looks like we could potentially have one team um, or maybe even two from the Western Conference with losing records making the playoffs. So that's going to be pretty wild um, so far here in the postseason. But right now, I mean, the Nuggets, the Grizzlies, the Kings. How about the Kings? Light the beam, man. Those guys look Light real good, real good. Obviously, the Suns with KD. Unstoppable. We'll have to see if anybody can beat them in the postseason. Clippers, Warriors, Lakers, Pelicans right now in those top eight spots. And you got the T-Wolves and the Thunder bringing up the rear. And the Mavs, the first team out. The Jazz, a little bit of a tumble so far since that Rudy Gobert trade. Turns out that didn't work out too well for them. They're pretty much needing a miracle to find themselves in the postseason. 
Uh, and it's pretty much going to take the other three teams losing out and them winning three straight. So that's pretty much the only way that they can get in at this point. But yeah, it's a real long shot based on the fact that, you know, the, obviously the Mavericks and the Thunder have games that they yeah. can win down the stretch. But uh, it's going to be very interesting. I think obviously at the Eastern Conference as well, the Bucks, the Celtics, of course, at the top. Those are the teams that you were certainly looking to be at the top 76ers as well. The Cavs have been playing really well. I mean, Donovan Mitchell, that trade has been working out real, real good for that franchise. How about the Knicks in the fifth spot? They're making some noise. I'm sure Stephen A's happy. Then you got the Nets, of course, with the Heat right behind. Then you have the Hawks, Raptors, and Bulls right now finishing up those spots. Our beloved Pistons don't need to talk about them, but we're hopefully getting Wemby and it'll be all solved soon. I just pray and hope for Motown faithful everywhere that that happens because I'm going to be sad if they don't. I am really hoping so. Yeah, but uh, right now, chip jump, chip pick. I don't know if I'm going to pick necessarily. I love the Nuggets, but it's just hard because... When it comes down to it, I mean, you're going to need guys that can take over games, especially down the road. And I mean, Jamal is a really good shot maker, obviously Jokic. But I mean, outside of that, those guys are kind of a little bit, not necessarily very streaky. They play consistently, but necessarily down the stretch. I don't know if they have the X factor like a team like the Suns or the Grizzlies do on the exterior offensively. Uh, that can win them games. They're going to be relying on those two uh, quite a bit, um, especially to create that offense in closer games. But uh, right now, I mean, it would be... Could you imagine if the Kings won it all? The Kings? Yeah. That would <laughs> that would be bonkers. It would be wild because they could light the beam, but like it's just crazy how like when you look back at the De'Aaron Fox uh, draft and stuff, and like you had that pickup, they didn't really play too well. That whole thing didn't kind of work out. And then all of a sudden, just stuff is just starting to click. Like crazy. And now you got a point where, hey, you might be able to see them go wild and be able to win a chip here in the next few years. It's going to be interesting. I haven't really remember a time in my life where the Kings were actually good. No, me neither. I was looking back to Mike Bibby and Jason Williams tapes to see the Kings being playing really good with Chris Webber. But, uh, I mean, it'll be fun. Obviously, can't count out the Warriors. Obviously, with way they can win. Like yeah, last just, year. I mean, they've always been able, you can't count them out because they'll just figure out a way. No, they'll figure out a way. That team is too well put together and assembled to to not do well in the postseason for sure. Uh-huh. Um, and then obviously I would say you could probably throw in the Lakers maybe a little bit. I don't see them I as more. Like the Lakers are really overrated. Right I think now. their conference, their, their con, or excuse me, their ceiling is conference finals. I think that's yeah. their ceiling. I don't think they that's, can make it that far. That's going to be like the best they can do. Yeah, I think right there. I think that their, their structure um, said a lot about structure so far, but I think their structure against the Bucks and the Celtics would be, um, or even the 76ers, as far as consideration of size and versatility defensively, I think could be a problem. Even though Lakers have played really well defensively as of recently, but can they do that in the playoffs? That's where I have skepticism. But uh, I don't know if there's necessarily, I think the East is really, what are the top four are you going to pick, honestly, because those teams are all, I think, significantly a tier above some of the other Western Conference teams. Uh, well, not necessarily the Western Conference teams. The top teams in the Eastern Conference are a tier above the other Eastern Conference teams where the West is kind of more spread out. But obviously, with the way that trading has been going on the last couple of years, obviously, we kind of expected that to happen. Mm. So it'll be very interesting to see. But I don't know, man. I'm kind of feeling that we could see a potential. Uh, I think that we could see the Bucks get back. I think Giannis with a potential to win his second ring, I think, is a possibility. Uh, playing against, a, I think, I mean, I would love to see the Suns get back. I think with that team, um, I would love to see the Celtics and Suns play against each other in the finals. I think it'd be an awesome I mean, finals. That'd be a cool little spot. It would be an awesome finals. No that'd doubt be, about it. Yeah. Maybe the honorable mention I could think of maybe in there. Uh, I mean, if you want just full allure, the Cavs and the Kings would be a pretty epic series, I think. You just line line up those teams, not necessarily the most... Uh, most winningest franchise. Obviously, Cleveland has won more recently than Sacramento, but I mean, a lot of young ups, talent stars, you know, hyped up fan base after years of dread. But it could be interesting. Memphis versus Atlanta. Why do you say that? Could you imagine that? Just in proximity to each other? How close they are? Oh, yeah. I mean, that'd be pretty how, crazy. How wild that would be? That would be crazy. I or mean, like a New Orleans, Atlanta type deal. Yeah. I mean, that would be, that would be pretty wild. I mean, as far as proximity, you could even say potentially, yeah, is that the, that might be the closest that we have here on as far as geographic yeah, location yeah, yeah. is probably those two teams right there. That would be, I mean, that would be, that'd be really cool. Bump and blazing kind of. You would um, see a lot of different, you'd see a lot of crossover from fans, which would be, would be able to make the, um, 
atmosphere just that much better. But oh yeah, for sure. I think the only thing in shock, it's probably gonna be like Memphis and Denver versus like Boston and or honestly, I think excuse me, I think Philly could probably do it. I think this, I think the process could be completed this year. The Philly the Philly process feels like it's got to be completed at some point. I was going like, to say. I mean, the process <laughs> has been going happen. has been getting worked on for quite a long time. I mean, when's it going to be finished here? Yeah, I mean, James Harden deserves to get back in position to get himself uh, to an NBA Finals again. So I think that's definitely something that we could love to see as basketball fans because James Harden's a fantastic player, and that's the tough thing too is you want to see guys like. Uh, Jason Tatum win their first ring. Obviously, you want to see a lot of these first uh, rings getting won, obviously, because you want to see different champions year after year. I think that's just natural for us. And just to see a different outcome every year doesn't make necessarily things as stale when it comes to sports. And I think that's what we root for every year. Uh, But I mean, the legacy that you've seen from a lot of these guys, obviously, LeBron with the Lakers, obviously, Giannis with what he's going to do with the Bucs, and just a lot of these guys that you're starting to see that new NBA feels like it's starting to kind of take shape here with a lot of these other younger superstars. Jason Tatum's a guy that's mentioned pretty regularly now in that conversation with LeBron and Katie and some of these other guys in the league. And you can mention Nikola Jokic in that in there as well. But it's a lot of new wave of superstars. Luka yeah. Doncic in there as well. The NBA so is it's going to be fun. The NBA is changing a lot of ways. Yeah, it's I can start to feel it now a little like, bit. It's changing. You feel with just trades, with new up, up and coming stars, and just like with old guys starting to kind of weave out a little bit. It's going to be very interesting uh, time for how how much is going to change in these next few years. For sure, the NBA season is coming to a close. Believe it or not, it'll be finals week in no time. Thank you all for tuning in here on this episode. Make sure you subscribe on all of our podcast platforms, social media at the MVSP. So you don't miss out on any of our Wild Stat Wednesdays, any of our YouTube best bits, any of the episodes we post in the week, as well as all of our content that we have related to this show. Appreciate all of your guys' support. We can't wait to talk to you next week. And until next time. Take care, everybody.